You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 4. And let's stand together as we read the Word of God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Heavenly Father, help us this morning as we study this passage, and I pray that I could be a blessing to each one listening this morning, but the Spirit of God is going to have to be involved, and we yield ourselves to Him. pray that He would speak to each of us. I pray, Lord, if someone here is not saved, that today they would understand the gospel and trust Jesus Christ as their Savior. I pray that you'd work in the hearts of your people as well, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Now, I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor now for 20 years, and I have a pastor's heart. I don't have any fancy sermons Uh, But I I hope this message will just be very practical uh, and down-to-earth, certainly at a a time like this. I want to speak to you on five keys to joyful living. Five keys to joyful living. Now, the book of Philippians becomes much more vibrant when we consider Paul's circumstances at the time of writing. This, This is one of Paul's four prison epistles. He wrote these epistles while a prisoner in Rome, awaiting his appeal before Caesar. The other epistles are Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon. During this time, Paul was a prisoner guarded by soldiers in a hired house. I don't think it was a nice suburban house, more likely a slum house in the slum side of town where soldiers and or where prisoners would be kept. And he was required to keep up his own maintenance, pay for his own way, so to speak, while he's being held as a prisoner, which explains why he was so thankful for the love offering that was sent because that provided for his basic necessities. He speaks again and again in Philippians of joy and rejoicing. While chains clanked on his wrists, his stomach grumbled, chained like a dog in a kennel. Not an easy existence for an active man like Paul. And yet through his faith in Christ, he was able to rise above his circumstances, turn his prison cell into a sanctuary of praise and a preaching platform for the gospel, and was used of God to write some of his most important epistles at this time. So when Paul speaks to the Philippian Christians of joy and rejoicing, uh, and rising above their circumstances and living with contentment, it carries a lot of weight. He is living what he preaches, and preaches what he lives. And the Philippian church of all churches understood that. You see... Uh, they had seen Paul rejoice through difficult times, especially one man in that church, the Philippian jailer. Remember how Paul came from, to Macedonia to preach the gospel? And uh, for casting a demon out of a possessed girl, 
He, he and Silas were cast into prison. First they were beaten and then cast in the innermost prison and the Philippian jailer put him in the stocks, which mean their feet were up in the air, uh, their bloody backs on the ground, trying to hold themselves up on their elbows for some sort of relief in the hottest, most uh, uncomfortable place in the entire prison. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. And the prisoners heard them and the jailer heard them. And then God sent an earthquake and, re and their bands fell off and the jailer was, was, uh, was one second away from suicide in hell. When he asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And so there was a man in this church who understood what Paul meant when he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Despite your circumstances, you can have a joy that exists even in the innermost prison with your back beaten bloody and your feet in the stocks. You can have a joy and a rejoicing that rises above the circumstances. Rejoice means to be full of good cheer and to be calmly happy. And the object of this rejoicing is key. We are to rejoice in the Lord. Now, sometimes I can rejoice in my situation or rejoice in my circumstances at the moment. For example, Mrs. Raspberry and I, we married 25 years, coming up on 26. Good night. I never make a mistake. We just had our 26th anniversary. No, we haven't. You're wrong. It's coming up on 26. You confused me there for a second. I thought, well, she's always right. We have our 26th anniversary August 13th, I got the date right, amen, and uh, we have four children, uh, our oldest uh, got married a couple of years ago, she's expecting her first child, so we are grandparents, and that's exciting, our second oldest daughter, Rebecca, just got engaged a uh, week before last, and yes, I know I'm right on that one, got engaged, good young man from Washington, Seattle, Washington, they met in Bible college, he's called to preach, and, and so we're excited about that. Our third daughter, Emily, just graduated high school and will be heading off to Heartland Baptist Bible College this fall. And our youngest, the baby, Joseph, he turned 17 this Tuesday. And uh, so it's kind of an exciting time uh, when you have one grandchild on the way and one wedding on the way and one going to college pretty soon, and then you're down to just one at the house, amen, and... Uh, and you're that much closer to the empty nest. And uh, so, you know, we can rejoice in those circumstances. And I, I tell you, when Mrs. Raspberry found out she was going to be a grandmother, she almost went Pentecostal. Almost went. And she was excited. And so, you know, we can rejoice in those times and those circumstances. Can certainly are times of excitement and we, and we enjoy those times. But, you know, I can rejoice any time despite my circumstances when my joy is in the Lord. When my joy is in the Lord. You see, there are some things that do not change. God does not change. I am the Lord, I change not. He's perfect. What is there to change? And He doesn't lose anything. He doesn't lose His power. He doesn't grow old. He doesn't grow feeble. He is the same omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God He's always been. And so I can always rejoice in Him because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, His Word never changes. His willingness to hear my prayers never changes. His willingness to help me never changes. The indwelling of the Spirit of God never changes. My salvation never changes. Amen. My status as a son of God, as a child of God, 
never changes. I'm saved, saved, saved. And I know that I'm saved. And I, I know that God is my Father and heaven is my home. And so that is something that never changes. And my hope never changes. Well, circumstances can change. Situations can change. Politics can change. Society can change. Current events can certainly change. I mean, good night. We did our 2020 anniversary, our 20th year, 2020. What was our theme? Real creative vision. Never saw this coming. We've changed our theme to 2020, touch not the unclean thing. <laughs> or, I don't want to offend anybody, but 2020, made in China. You know, things have not gone the way we expected. You know, there's an old Jewish saying that man plans and God laughs. Because he knows the future. Now here we sit down and make our full calendar for the year. And uh, you might as well just take everything from, uh, from Mother's Day into, ne into the fall and just scratch it all out. The only thing we have on our calendar now is the one thing that wasn't on our calendar. And that's going to youth conference. The same one y'all are going to coming up. Everything's been changed. But you know what? God has not changed. And God is still on His throne. And God is not surprised by anything that's taking place. And so I can be of good cheer, I can have an abiding joy despite the circumstances, the situations, the politics, the burning cities, the riots, the chaos, the confusion, the fear, the anxiety, the misinformation, all the things happening, I can still have an abiding joy because this book tells me the truth. This book does not change. God has not changed. And so I, I can rejoice in the Lord. I can have that abiding joy. But let's be honest and admit that we don't always have the kind of joy that we should. Sometimes things do get us down and sometimes we, we don't rejoice and we don't have that abiding joy that we'd like to have. And we understand that it's more than the power of positive thinking and just, and just deciding to be cheerful. There are some definite keys to having this abiding joy. There are some things we need to have in our lives to have an abiding joy. And there are some things that can short-circuit our joy. I like to think of it as a circuit. When the circuit's completely down, I have an abiding joy. That joy just is constant in my life. Sometimes, however, our, our lives are like, a, like wiring that's kind of frayed and not quite, it's touching, but it's, it's kind of fritzing in and out, right? And you notice there's, a, there's something loose. Maybe the, break, the wire on the breaker is a little bit loose, or maybe the cable's a little bit frayed. And so some of it's coming through, but it's, it's, it's kind of broken. It's like a light flickering. And sometimes we have the joy we ought to, and then sometimes we don't. And then sometimes the, 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 the connection is just gone. And we're in, a st we're in a state of being in which we really don't have the joy of the Lord. We don't have the strength God wants us to have. We don't have the, the, the joy of our salvation because the circuit is completely open. It's not closed as it should be. So I want you to consider five keys to joyful living. And I've got to say this first. The foundation must be salvation. Okay. Everything I'm going to say is built on the fact that you know that you know that you know that you're saved, saved, saved. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know that you are saved. And so if, you, if you're here this morning or watching online and you're not sure that you are saved, that the most important thing is to know that you have received Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've been born again. You're a child of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Your sins are under the blood and you're on your way to heaven. All right. So if you're not saved, you can get that settled this morning. 
And, uh, but I, I'll be speaking primarily to those who know that they're saved, to those who know that they're Christians, and, and having this, this abiding joy in life. Number one, <clears throat> there must be a persistent prayer life. A persistent prayer life in verse 6. Be careful for nothing. Now, teenagers, that does not apply to you driving. We want you to be careful, amen? Do not make this your, your driving verse. Be careful for nothing. <clears throat> careful means full of cares or anxiety, anxious and worried and fearful. Now, there are two things that will rob, three things that will rob you of joy. Number one, watching too much news. <laughs> All right, but number two is dwelling on the past and worrying about the future. Dwelling on the past, ruminating. Ruminating is like marinating your brain in negative things that you cannot change because they're past. So you spend a lot of time, here you are in the present, but you're not enjoying the present, you're not benefiting the present because you're thinking about the past, ruminating on things that you did wrong or think that you did wrong or things went wrong or you think they went wrong or there's drama built up in your mind about things that you, how you perceive that they happened. But it's, it's in the past. It's as dead as 1999. There's nothing you can do to change it. But you're dwelling on it and you're allowing that to continually hurt you or to depress you or to make you anxious or full of cares. And it's something you can do nothing about. If it's under the blood, leave it under the blood. Amen. If it's in the past, learn from it and move on into the present and live today. The other thing is you're worried about the future. Well, you know, you can do some things about the future. You can plan today. You can make plans. You know, you can set money aside in savings. You know, the Bible teaches us to go to the ant thou slugger, consider her ways and be wise. She knows in her little ant brain that, that winter's coming and she's not going to be able to go out and get food anymore, so she stores it away. So God does teach us to consider the future and to plan for the future. And planning is reaching into the future so I can do something about it now. But worry does nothing. You're worried about what might happen, which may never happen. You're worried about how this will work out and how that will work out. And worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't take you anywhere. And so what God gives us is something that will help us right now to deal with the anxieties that we feel and the worries that we're concerned about and the fears that so often cripple us in the present. He gives us the opportunity to pray. Be careful for nothing, but instead, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So one way that God gives us to deal with anxiety, worry, and carefulness is simply to spend time in prayer. But we have a song that says, why worry when you can pray? But the Baptist version is, why pray when you can worry? So, be careful for nothing. Now, you might say... Preacher, I really do have something. I mean, it's a real. It's not something that's imaginary. I mean, I really do have a problem that is a serious concern in my life, and I don't. What can I do about it? I mean, it's not a nothing. Okay, it's something. All right. Pray about it. God gives you a, an outlet so that you can come to Him with your anxiety and your worry, and you bring it to Him through thanksgiving and prayer. And by the way, thanksgiving is something that will help you. 
to have a more positive outlook and to have more joy in your life. Because when you are grateful for things, that is something that helps joy to grow. So God says, don't just pray, but pray with thanksgiving. So I, I say, I got a problem. I got to face something on Monday I really don't want to face. And uh, Monday's going to come soon enough. You're going to spend all day Sunday worried about it. Or can you take it to the Lord in prayer? And when you say, well, I've got to, I'm going to pray about it, but God said He wants me to give thanks at the same time. Which is pictured in the Old Testament when they, the, the altar of incense, they would send up that, that pr- the, the incense with that sweet-smelling savor. That's representative of the thanksgiving. Don't just come and make your demands. Give your thanks to God. Amen? It's sweet-smelling to Him. And so I've got to stop and think about something that I'm thankful for. Well, that's going to help me to have a better attitude, isn't it? You know, if we would learn to be more grateful for things, we, we, it would make our lives so much better. I, I keep a little gratitude journal. It's just a little book. And every day or twice a day, I write down something that I am thankful for. And uh, usually in the morning and the evening. So in the morning, I think of something that I'm grateful for, and I write it down. Writing it down does something. It, it just it helps the mind. And, and, I, and oftentimes, I think about that throughout the day. At night, I write about something I'm thankful for uh, that happened during that day. And I try to be, I don't want to just write the same things every time. This morning, I wrote down, I'm very thankful to have the opportunity to be preaching at Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas. And I am thankful. And I am grateful. You know, this is a real opportunity. It's a privilege. And I know Brother Che doesn't take that lightly, so I'm thankful for that. And uh, so, if you would learn to add thanksgiving to your prayers and make your prayers known to God, I think it would help us with our anxieties and our worries and our fears and our concerns because really we're not living by much faith when we're always dwelling on the past and worried about the future and not trusting God in the present. Now, someone said, Preacher, you know, why do I need to make my request known? Doesn't God know everything? Well, of course God knows everything. But God has told us we have not because we ask not. So it may be that God knows you have a need, but He's going to ignore it until you ask. Because He he wants you to to ask. He wants you to pray. From my perspective, it's good for me to know that God knows about the requests that I make. Now let me say this. God God is not a celestial vending machine where you say, I want something D3 and God's supposed to just pop that out for you. God is sovereign. God is God. It is enough for me to know that God hears my prayers. He does not have to do what I say. Amen. He, it is enough, you know, if you could get President Trump to listen to you for 30 minutes and, and you can make your case for whatever is your great issue to President Trump, what do you think the odds are that will ever happen? <laughs> not likely. But you would enjoy, I mean, wouldn't that be something if you just make a case for something to the president and know that he's going to sit there and listen to you? That here's a man that might have the power to make it happen and he's going to listen to you? Wouldn't that be something? Well, I have a God in heaven who has unlimited power, who has invited me to come boldly to the throne of grace and will hear my request. That's enough for me. Because if God says no, that's what's best. Amen. And if God says yes, that's wonderful. If God says maybe, I'll keep praying about it. But I, so it's enough that God knows that he, to know that God hears me. I can take it to the Lord and I, leave, I, leave, I can leave it there. But I must have a persistent prayer life. We must pray and pray and pray and pray and make all the big issues of life a matter of prayer.
raised our kids for 23 years. One thing that we have done, what I have done, I know for sure, is I've prayed for my kids every single day of, since I knew that they were coming. Some people say, well, how do you know, you, you know, aren't you worried your kids start dating? None of my kids started dating when they were in high school. They all graduated high school before we allowed any kind of dating. And if you're, if you're wise, you'll listen to that. There's no point in teenage relationships. I'm in love, and then they move away. What is, I mean, if you're in love and they're in love, they'll still be around when you're old enough to make adult decisions. And I don't regret that for a second, and my kids don't regret it. Because all my daughters had some crush on somebody that you know, wasn't going to go anywhere and didn't go anywhere. And so anyway, so men would ask me, well, how do you feel about your kids starting, you know, because they go to college and they meet the certain somebody. And, and how do you feel about it? I said, well, I have great peace. I've spent 20 years praying about this. It's not something I went, oh, no, I better start praying. Emergency prayers, 911. I started praying before they were born. I've been praying for my daughters to find the right husband since before they were born. And all these years, while these no-account boys, I mean, these guys, one growing up in Sepulpa, Oklahoma, and one growing up in, on the left coast, Seattle, Washington, amen, one is six foot four and one is four foot six. Well, not quite. One is six foot four and the other's five foot eight. They make a cute couple, but it's just odd. And, uh, but you spend a lot of time praying, and then you have peace. Let's move on to our next point, and that's a true thought life. A true thought life. You've got to have a right mindset. We are what we think. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And an ancient philosopher said, we dye our souls with the colors of our thoughts. That's why Philippians 4.8 says, whatsoever things are true, just, pure, lovely. And so... You know, the mind is an amazing thing. And uh, God says we're to love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. The mind is very complex. And, uh, you know, your thoughts can come out of nowhere. It's like the mind has a mind of its own sometimes. And one thing we have to learn to do is challenge our own thoughts. Because your thoughts can lead you into depression, your thoughts can lead you into deep anxiety. Your thoughts can lead you into jealousy. Your thoughts can lead you into anger. Your thoughts can lead you into bad relationships and bad decisions. Just as you need to challenge your heart's feelings because your heart can be deceptive, you need to challenge your mind's thoughts and say, you know what, is this thought true or is this based on a falsehood? Is this a, a, a thought that is based on uh, something that is uh, honest or am I thinking of things, you know, am I a teenager's thing? How can I get away with this? How can I deceive my parents? How can I lie? How can I cheat? How can I get around this? Are you thinking honest thoughts or dishonest thoughts? Are they, of, uh, are they pure thoughts? Are they just? You know, you know, our culture does not have justice right now. You know, instead of finding facts out, we watch a video and we riot and burn cities down. That's not justice. Can we find some facts out first? Maybe have a trial. You know, things started, we don't even know if things, some things are racially motivated or not. I have no idea. Just start rioting and destroying and pillaging and plundering. 
And brother put me down on the side of law and order and on the side of the police. One bad cop does not change my opinion on the necessity of having a strong police force in this nation. Put me down on that side of the thin blue line, protecting me and my family from the unlawful. But we, we ju- rush to judgments and we do it in our personal lives too. Do we stop and think, is this true? Is this honest? Is this just? Am I being fair to that other person? Is it pure? Is it a lustful, dirty thought? Is it lovely? Is it something that is uh, of good report? Would you want your parents to know it, your spouse to know it, your pastor to know it? Is it something that is, uh, 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 has virtue? Is it something that's, that is a vice? Is it something that is praiseworthy? Or is it something you'd be ashamed of? See, we need to control our thoughts if we want to have a life that has joy. Your, your brain, your mind can lead you into a very unhappy existence. We have to think like a child of God. That's why the, one of the pieces of armor for the whole armor of God is the helmet of salvation. You've got to guard your eyes. You've got to guard your ears. You've got to guard your mouth. And you've got to guard this right here. Think like a saved person should think. Think like a child of God should think. Now, let's move on. Uh, we need to move on from our stinking thinking. Number three, to abounding activity. Verse 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. All right, so it's one thing to, to hear something, another thing to receive it. Well, let, let's, let's break this down further. First, he said, you have seen this. We need living examples. Thank God for good examples. Thank God for parents who are good examples. Thank God for fathers who are good examples. Thank God for pastors and, pastor, and Mrs. Pastors who are good examples. Amen. So you have seen these things in your parents, your pastor, and good people. You have heard things. You have received things. Well, I, you know, I've preached long enough to realize that some people, they're sitting there and the sound is hitting their ears, but they are not receiving what is being said. Amen. Sometimes the sound is hitting their ears, but their mind is somewhere else. It happens all the time. And so not only have you seen it and heard it, but you have received it, you have learned it, now it's time to do it. Well, back home, we have a couple of our teenagers that just got their, that are taking their driving lessons now. And uh, that's always a fun time for parents, isn't it? When your kids start driving. What you need to do is you need to get in the back seat right behind the driver's seat and just start kicking the back of the seat. And just, just do that the whole trip. And then when they, get, when they get their own car, like my daughter Becky just got her, her own car recently. And so I just took it for a spin one day. You know, I got in it drove it off, came back, I moved the seat back, moved it all back, moved the steering wheel up, changed the radio channels, you know, moved all the air vents, got some straw wrappers and just put them all inside of the car. I said, a little bit of revenge, amen, a little bit of revenge. <laughs> uh, she was driving my truck for a while and I, I got in it one day and it smelled like perfume and it smelled like a girly truck. I said, when I get my truck back, it better smell like dirty socks and a gym. I mean, I want it to smell like a, a man's truck, amen, but... So, you teach your kids, and first they learn by watching. You know, they're sitting there and they're watching you drive, and they pick up a lot from that. Sometimes when you, see, you start teaching them to drive, you start to realize what a bad example you might have been setting. And uh, so, they, first they watch you, and then they have to take their classes, you know, and so you're, you're, they're listening and they're watching the videos or whatever. Then they have to, they have to show that they're learning. by they, they, they drive while you sit there and nag them. I went with the best inventions. They now have magnets you can put on the back of your car. It's a student driver. I got like three of them. I had them all across the back of my car. And, uh, and, and so you're teaching them, and you don't roll through. You've got to stop. 
you know, look both ways. And, and then they finally take their tests and finally they're putting into practice what they have been taught and learned. Now they're driving on their own. Well, in the Christian life, it's the same way. You, you see it, you listen, you receive it, you learn it. Sooner or later, you've got to put it into practice. You know, one day you're gonna, you young folks will have your own families you're going to put into practice. One day you'll be out of the youth group into the college age you're going to put it into practice. One day you're going to be living on your own, paying your own bills. You're going to put it into practice. You see, that's, that's one of the keys to joyful living. Sometimes folks say, well, pre the preacher makes me feel guilty. People that are doing the right things don't feel guilty. It's the people that are not doing the right things who feel guilty. You know, it's like saying, well, the police officer makes me feel guilty. Well, if you're not speeding, you don't feel guilty. Huh? So just get to into doing what's right and have a clear conscience. What's easier? Just coming to church on Wednesday night when you don't really feel like it or trying to think in all day of your excuses and how you can get out of it, spending all that time and then feeling bad during the church service and then you know worrying about what the preacher might say the next time you come to church. Usually it's a lot easier just to come put the hour and a half in and sit there and, and come to church than it is to come up with some way to miss it. Amen? So have an abounding activity. Number four, grateful generosity. Verse 10. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. The Philippian church was a grateful church. Verse 14. Notwithstanding you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction, now you Philippians know also in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only, for even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Now this was a church that loved Paul. Paul had suffered in starting their church, and they had a real love for him. Lydia was that wealthy uh, seller of purple, and then the Philippian jailer in his house. That was the nucleus of the church. And when Paul left to start other churches, they, they were one of the few churches that would send love offerings to help him out, mission support. And now while he's in jail, he said, you, you tried to send money to me, but you, you were hindered, but now it's, it's coming once and again. And and he said, it's such a blessing that you have given, uh, given to supply my needs during such a difficult time. But see, they were grateful to the Apostle Paul, so they were generous to the Apostle Paul. When folks have generous, when they're grateful, they're generous. When they're, not gen when they're not grateful, they're not generous. When we're thankful to the Lord, we don't complain about our tithes and offerings. Okay? My heart is so full of gratitude that God would save me from hell that He can have everything that I have. He owns everything that I have. He only wants 10%. I get to keep 90%. And then I can give out of that to my missions and building fund and youth camp and the other designated offerings that we have. And I can give to help others in their times of need. What a blessing it is to be on the giving side when you have a grateful heart. In Acts 20, Paul referred to what's called the forgotten beatitude. It's not in the Sermon on the Mount. But it's in Acts 20, verse 35, when he says, to Remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Now, it's a blessing to receive. Someone loves you, they give you a gift. Man, it just feels good, doesn't it? But it's more blessed to be the giver. To be the giver. And if you want to have joy in your life, you've got to stop being on the constantly waiting for others to do for you list and start being on the someone constantly look to do for others list. Get involved in giving and being generous. Number five, a calm contentment. Verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be a base and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to suffer 
uh, to, to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Does the word discontented sound like a happy word? Malcontent? Those are not happy terms. You ever hear someone say, man, that kid over there is always so discontented. He's a joy to be around. <laughs> who would you rather be on a deserted island with? Someone who's never content or someone who can make contentment? Be content with any circumstance. Who would you rather share a prison cell with? The Apostle Paul or Diotrephes? I think I'll choose the Apostle Paul. Contentment is defined as rest or quietness of the mind in the present condition. Paul said everywhere and in all things, but he said he had learned. It's not something that's natural. Contentment is a learned character trait. Contentment is making peace with circumstances you cannot change. Griping and belly aching and moping and whining do not change circumstances for the better. But there is a joy in accepting things you cannot change and making the best of it. But there's no joy in being angry, disappointed, frustrated, exasperated, upset, cranky, irritable, mopey, or whiny. You're not a joyful person. You ever been at the airport and saw someone whose flight got canceled? They're all mad. They're yelling at the girl at the counter like she has a plane hidden behind her somewhere that she just, out of some meanness towards him, she just doesn't want him to get on, his, on a flight. And so he's mad and he's red-faced and he's yelling at her like it's her fault and he's making a scene. He's embarrassing himself in front of everybody because he has no self-control and no discipline over himself. He's just an angry child throwing a fit because he's mad at his circumstances. Circumstances he's not going to change by being all angry and throwing a fit. So we need to learn to make peace with things we cannot change. And it is a learning process to, to, to accept certain things. Now, there are some things you can change. We'll, we'll change them. But there are some things we cannot change we have to trust God with. Amen. Life isn't what we want it to be. Life is not what it should be. Life is not what it could be. Life is not what it ought to be. Life is not any of those things. Life is what it is. And sometimes it stinks and sometimes it's great. We have to have a joy despite it all. One mental exercise, and I'll be done in just a moment. This has helped me a lot. We have to do the right things. We also have to be the right way. Okay. And this is called the exercise of two missions. Okay. For example, I need to go to the store. I need to go to Walmart. I need to go shopping, buy something. That means I need to drive there. That means I need to share the road, potentially, with idiots. I mean, right? That's a Greek word, I think. It means people that can't drive. And so I'm driving, and, and someone cuts me off. They're driving like a fool, you know. And they're weaving in and out of traffic, and they're just making a nuisance of themselves because they, the they own the world. The rest of us are just paying rent, existing in their world. And, and so I can get mad. So, oh, that guy cut me off, and I can get all furious. I can have road rage. I can try to cut him off now. And, and, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm yelling out the window and my kids are in the back seat, you know, plugging their ears. And, and I get there and I'm all angry. And I've set a bad example for my family. I haven't honored the Lord. And, and I haven't changed the circumstances. <laughs> he doesn't care if I'm yelling at him through my windshield. So the, there's not only the mission of getting to where I need to go, there's the mission of being how I ought to be. And uh, so... You know, you can apply that to many areas of life. You know, you, you have a job to do, but you also need to be a Christian while you do it. You know, you, you have things that need to be accomplished, but you need to do them with the right spirit. 
And to do one thing and not the other is not fulfilling your task. So to have a contentment. Paul says, I'm sitting in a prison. My back is bloody. There's nothing I can do about it. Let's sing and pray. <laughs> what do you do to a man like that when he says to die is gain? To live is Christ and die is gain. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. A persistent prayer life, a true thought life, an abounding activity, a grateful generosity, a calm contentment. I sincerely hope that some point this morning was a help to you. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.